0: It's going to be a good time this morning, I just know that, because just everything's gone wrong. (laughs) So I turned up at 8 o'clock this morning and um, tried to print off my sermon and couldn't get it printed off, so the guy on the computer's running blind, had problems with um, printing the bulletin off. Um, We're just about to change over, and I was going to hand Colin the mic, and I see that the batteries are flat. And so I'm thinking, wow, we're going to have a great morning this morning. So, so come on, uh, the, the, let's, let's just pray, let's just pray. So, so Father, we just thank you that in every situation and circumstance, we can, just, um, we can just come to you, we can still our hearts, and we can just really receive from you. And so this morning, Lord, we just put aside all the thoughts of the day, and as we come around your word Lord, we just ask that you would just have your way in our hearts and our lives and move us one step closer to you. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the other thing I forgot to do is um, uh, could you grab the electronic pointer, which is um, just up there, and just shoot it up to us? Yeah, we're sitting up there. Yep. Good one. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Alright, this month we've been focusing on the Great Commission, which is Jesus' call to each and every one of us to reach out and make disciples of all peoples. And we're going to continue with that this morning, but I just want to start off with a little thought. Have Have you ever had an offer of something that seemed too good to be true or too good to turn down? So about... 12 years ago, I'm looking for a new set of golf clubs. And uh, generally, um, the tailor-made clubs that I play with, they're, they're expensive, they're expensive. Like, they're nearly $2,000 for a set of irons, so they're, they're really, really expensive. And so I go online, I do my searches, and I found this American company that was selling them for nearly half the price that I get them in New Zealand. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. Uh, I'll have these. So I checked checked everything out, went through the normal protocols, and everything seemed absolutely legit. And uh, so I put my credit card in, and uh, you know what's going to happen, eh? And (laughs) And then about half a day later, I checked my credit card statement to find that the American company wasn't an American company, it was a Chinese company. And I thought, "Oh no, now the Chinese are pretty good at doing a whole pile of things, but when it comes to golf clubs they they put in cheap shafts and other bits and pieces, and all, all of the all of the legit clubs are actually made in China, they're special factories, but the cheap ones they yeah, they're not they're not worth heaven so I eventually I got hold of the company and uh and managed, managed to get most of my money back. I think I lost about 100 bucks on that, and I thought, oh, God, if I'd only listened to that still small voice within, uh, I would have got a, a decent deal through a local shop, and I wouldn't have been sucked into a de- deal which seemed too good to be true. When it comes to Jesus... What Jesus offers us, which seems too good to be true, there is no trickery, there is no subterfuge. we aren't going to get ripped off. And in the passage that we're going to read, Jesus has traveled from Judea to Samaria on his way to Galilee, and he stops at lunchtime at a well outside a Samaritan town called Sychar. And there he he makes a woman an offer too good to turn down. And so we're going to read this from John chapter 4, verse 6. And I've always wanted to say this if you've got your Bibles, don't turn to them because I'm going to read it out of the Passion uh, version. Okay, it'll be on the screen behind us and uh, out of the Passion translation. And this is what it says Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. And surprised she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? There's two problems there. Uh, first of all, Jews never talked to Samaritans. They were the scum of the earth, really, as far as the Jews were concerned. And secondly, men never talked to women in those situations and circumstances. So Jesus is just breaking all the cultural norms here. And Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. And the woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep, so where do you find this living water? And Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again And will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. And the woman replied, Let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. And Jesus said, Go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. Uh, That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You've told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. Then she says, I know the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I'm the one you're looking for. And at once the woman dropped her water jar, ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go and see Jesus. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus says to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time, for their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying one sows the seed, another one reaps the harvest. I have sent you out to harvest a field that you haven't planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you, and now you are privileged to profit from the labors and and reap the harvest. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them, so he stayed there for another two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his teaching. Then the Samaritans said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you told us, but now we've heard him ourselves, and we're convinced that really he is the true savior of the world. A long passage, but a great passage. What a fantastic, life-changing passage. Revival initiating encounter, we've just read. For the Samaritan woman, the day probably started just like any other day. There was no suggestion that she was expecting anything to be different. But this day, God knew that she was going to have an encounter with Jesus that would absolutely change her life for eternity. And you may come here this morning and you may be thinking this is just another Sunday. But an encounter with God will change your life. And we all need those encounters because like that woman at the well, every person has a thirst that only Jesus can satisfy. If you want to put that next one up. In fact, if you just click on it, I can shoot it from here. We aren't born with a knowledge of God. But We are born with a desire to know Him. Augustine said, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls find no rest till we find it in thee. J.B. Phillips, who wrote the Phillips translation of the Bible, said, There is a God shaped vacuum in each one of us, and only He can fill it. In Ecclesiastes, Uh, 3 verse 11, it says, He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they can't fathom what God has done from beginning to end. At the very heart of this Samaritan woman's life was emptiness. She's had five husbands, and she's trying out her sixth man. I won't ask for any people who are in a similar situation here this morning, (laughs) but basically, the guys couldn't satisfy her. The the men in her life weren't filling the aching within. Uh, No physical provision will satisfy that emptiness in our soul that is created by us being out of a relationship with God. The very best partner, the very best job, the very best house, the very best car, all of these things don't satisfy and quench that thirst within. When we recognize that we aren't satisfied, If we've been successful in life but still aren't satisfied, if we're still empty, we tend to blame things for not being satisfying enough, which, of course, is just foolish. If we aren't really successful in life and are unsatisfied, we blame ourselves, which makes us depressed. Or we blame God or the universe for the emptiness within, which makes us bitter or cynical. Of course, the real reason for our dissatisfaction is our separation from God because we were created so that the only thing that can satisfy us is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the living thirst-quenching water of the Holy Spirit is what He promises us when we ask Him into our lives. Uh, we need God and the Holy Spirit at the very center of of our lives because we were created to know him. And we're empty without that relationship. But also, our life needs cleaning up. Separation from God unbalances our lives. If you want to clean up a polluted river, uh, you have to identify the cause of the pollution. And Early in my career with New Zealand dairy, I would often uh, be out in the Waikato testing rivers and streams and tracing sources of pollution. Uh, One litre of milk has the same polluting power as 400 litres of sewage. So it doesn't take much of a spill to have a huge impact on the environment, Murray. (laughs) So... uh, my team would spend a lot of time tracing contaminates from river to factory, uh, right the way back to the source of the problem, and that would mean 24-hour monitoring, and this was really important for us as a company, not just because we wanted to keep the environment clean, but because every liter of milk that went down the drain was a liter of product that was lost. And so we had to find the source of the pollution before we could clean it up. And the Bible says, if you think of your life as a river, then we are all polluted. And the problem is that right at the very source of our lives, the very center, our heart, which Proverbs tells us all issues flow from, uh, there is nothing that we can do to clean it up. No matter what we try, no matter how we attempt to quench our thirst, our need for love, our need for acceptance, our need for forgiveness, our need for security, our need for identity, nothing that we try and do to fulfill those things will actually work. The reason we need to come to Jesus is that we were created to know him and the very core of our life needs fixing and when he comes into our life he starts on the very inside and works out. Uh, Jesus says if you put your bucket the bucket of your soul into any other cause any other relationship any other pursuit any other comfort but him you're going to get more and more thirsty. And Jesus knew that he was the answer to the Samaritan woman's emptiness and so he steers the conversation from water to living water to eternal life. And Jesus promises when we come into a life with him, we will have a spring of living water Welling up to eternal life at our very source, and that will be his Holy Spirit. Eternal life isn't just endless life. Eternal life isn't just life that goes on forever. It's a quality of life that can only be achieved with Jesus living on the inside, transforming us and quenching the soul thirst right now. Now, the Samaritan woman, like all of us, needed what Jesus was offering. So how do we receive this living water, this life-giving source of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, Jesus says the water that I give you, wisdom can't find it, power can't attain it, money can't buy it, merit can't earn it. It's a gift that Jesus gives us when we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And when we believe that Jesus Christ died for us, for our sin, when we ask Jesus to come into the center of our lives and forgive us of our sins, all those dumb things that we've done, then he comes in. And there is a Holy Spirit that breaks forth from within. Uh, Jesus says, come to me, taste and see that the Lord is good. We can't earn it, we don't deserve it, but when we recognize who Jesus is, we will want to know him and live for him because that's what we were created for. That's what's missing in our lives. He is the one who satisfies our soul de- desires and our life With his life-giving presence, it's just that simple. Believe and receive. It's an offer too good to refuse. So, how can we share that good news? First of all, recognize that everyone, everyone in our city has been created to know God. If you are here this morning, you've been created to know God. And knowing God is not a one-off event. It's a journey that we're on. Uh, Some of you evangelists will know that a man called James Engels uh, developed a scale to show people the types of stages that we might go through on our journey to find God. So most of you won't be able to read all that. Um, but basically, it um, starts off here, and it says, born with a God vacuum, and ends up here, serves in leadership roles. And it goes through a whole pile of things. Let's just go to the, I've just blown up the bottom bit so, so you can read it. So this is what Engel says. He said, there's a progression in coming to know uh, Jesus. Starts off with the with God vacuum. Everyone's got that. Then, it's being aware of a higher power or powers. I was brought up in a um, in a Christian home, and right from a little fella, I knew there was a God. I just knew that there was a God, that God was real. But knowing God and knowing that he exists are two different things. And so this moves on, and uh, it talks about um, seeking to fill the personal spiritual void. It talks about... Uh, realizing that there's only one true God, and slowly moving up interest in the gospel, uh, understands the gospel concepts and the whole pile of other bits and pieces. Till finally, finally, a person repents and trusts in Jesus. They go over the line there. Um, now, can a person go from here to here in one jump? Sure, it's a miracle. God can do anything in people's lives. But most often, most often, it's a gradual journey. And of course, that means that when you're talking to people, you need to know where they're at. Because if you're talking to someone who's uh, got a God-shaped vacuum, which is everybody, they're aware that there's a higher power and they've got a sense of emptiness, basically, you're talking about modeling love and praying for them rather than perhaps... um, leading them in a sinner's prayer. So there's a whole pile of stages that people, people go through. Um, we, we focus on crossing the line, but not everyone's ready for that right now, but everybody, everybody needs Jesus. We're all different. We all come from different situations in different ways. And so uh, just to illustrate that this morning, I've got a, um, a few people to come up. Heather, Carl, Angela, and Kojo, And uh, they're going to tell you how they came to the Lord. So, you guys want to jump up real quick? And they're going to be scared stiff. And Heather's going first. Jump up here, guys. And she's already running. So, very quickly, tell us how you became a Christian, Heather.
1: This is scary. better sitting behind someone else. (laughs) Um, Well, in my life growing up, my dad wasn't a Christian, but my mum became a Christian after they got married, so automatically all us kids, there were five of us, went to church with mum on a Sunday, and we didn't really mind that. I actually quite liked it. My sister and I were quite close, and we looked forward to it as a change in our normal routine at the end of each week, and uh, so we went to a Presbyterian church. We had a Welsh minister who was quite fiery. And um, we had a great Sunday school, we grew up and by the time we were twins, um, my sister and I decided, hey, why don't we accept Christ? And we went, okay. So we just went forward and accepted Christ and um, it wasn't until a few years later that my sister went to be in Auckland um, City and I went to do nursing at Middlemore and I started to slip back and got into the wrong sort of crowds, and I wasn't doing drugs or anything, but I was definitely not going on for the Lord, but I always knew that he was talking to me and telling me this way, so in the end I shifted to Auckland City as well, and my sister was going to AOG Church in the city, and at that stage it was only at 510 Queen Street, so that's going back a few decades, and she said, why don't you come and visit the church, so I went. So I went, and I enjoyed it so much I um went forward at the older call, and um the Lord just really told me he said, "You know, you went because your mum went, so you went to church, you enjoyed it, you learned things, you went because you used forward because you his a sister, but what about us and it was like him saying to me. You can go to church and tag on with your mum, tag on with your sister, and you might even be doing it now someone where you're going along because of your friend or your husband or your wife or whatever. But bottom line is, it's about us. What about you and me? And it's a personal journey, and he really wants a one-on-one.
0: Great. Okay. <clears throat> Carl. One minute. <laughs> okay.
2: I tried to go to the back of the line, but that <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> um, okay, I'll try and be really quick. Um, The scripture that popped up on my phone yesterday was Acts 2.21 and it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So just remember that. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home um, and I love my mum and dad to bits. They're amazing parents, amazing family. Um, They're kind of like MacGyver and Bear Grylls crossed together. That's (laughs) actually true. Um, But um, they went into church. We didn't go to church at all. Um, So when we went camping one year at Matari Bay, uh, we used to go there a lot uh, why we had turned up uh, my cousin and I went to go and hear them speak um, and I got powerfully touched and that was at five I came back to the tent I said to mum and dad I was going to be a missionary that's what I was going to do my, with my life at five as you do and um, and they did their best to try and convince me that God was not real uh, so they put the dishes outside of the tent the dishes weren't done in the morning and they said well God's not real because he has not done the dishes Anyway, God is a relentless, pursuing, amazing father. So he was chasing me down. And so just fast forward in the future, um, mum and dad had some Christian friends. Dad went to a medical conference. I was sitting in their house watching a Narnia movie with the kids, and man, that totally rocked my heart. And then a couple more things, fast forward into the future, um, went to... uh, Bible in schools thing, went to a YFC thing, but probably one of the most significant things I was telling um, the guys at prayer group was when I was 17, I was in a bad space. I felt quite hopeless inside. I was having a rough time at school. Uh, I was sitting at home and I had a Bible, and um, I didn't recommend doing this at all. And I was tearing the pages out of the Bible and throwing them into the fire. And I felt this presence come next to me and stand next to me and say, Stop doing that, son and he had his hand on the back of me and holy cow, I was pretty freaked out by him. And I knew at that moment that God was really real. Uh, And then a little bit after that, um, uh, a friend invited me to youth group where I uh, really enjoyed it and loved it, it was amazing. I met a young woman uh, in cut off jeans and a faded top who was pretty cool. We got married, we've been still married 25 years later. I love you, honey. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> and, um, and just to finish off, sorry, um, I needed Jesus' heart out. And so the young guys in the youth group were in the pastor's house, and I asked them to pray for me. And I've been electrocuted twice in my life, but I had never experienced the power that I experienced when they prayed for me. And when I was driving home, um, I felt the whole car was filled with God's presence. And I felt loved and accepted. I felt forgiven, cleansed, and yeah, the rest is history. But that's for another time.
0: (laughs) Great, (laughs) keep it tight. Keep it tight.
3: (laughs) Okay, I'm not good at speaking short, but I've been really nervous, and this is my abridged version. So I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. Great home too, like Carl. My dad was very anti-God, but I was really into New Age stuff, and When I was just before 30, I started to think, well, actually, maybe there is a God. And I had different friends, but I was confused because there's so many religions, so many beliefs out there. So a Christian friend of mine, she said, well, ask for the truth. So I did. I didn't know I was praying then, but I just said, okay, what's the truth? That was what I said over and over for a couple of weeks. And then one day I was in this stress situation. I was like, okay, God, if you're real, prove it, get me the stuff. Like, and then I was, oh, sorry, God. Ooh, ooh Got on with my day trying to get this thing that I needed within 24 hours. And five to four, I thought, oh, quick, milk. Supermarkets closed at four in those days. Raced to the supermarket. I don't use milk, by the way. Don't know why. But I did it, and I ran into Kay Demont. If she's here, Kay. I ran into her in the supermarket aisle, and she had exactly what I needed. And I didn't think anything of it, but I followed her to her house. And she opened her door, and there was a big plaque like this. Well, it seems like it was that big. And it said, Jesus is Lord. And I nearly dropped dead on the spot. I mean, it really rocked me because I knew that God had not only shown me that He was real, but who He is. And He'd shown me the truth. So I was very scared, and it took me about two weeks. But then I thought, if you ask for the truth and you get shown it, you've got to respond. You've just got to respond. So all I'm saying to you now is Jesus is the truth, he is the way, and he is the life. And he is good. Amen.
0: Great. KJ.
4: Yeah. Um, I also, my dad doesn't believe in God, my mom does. So it's 50-50, my dad said he can believe in anything he want. So I believed his side. My dad literally ripped Bibles and threw them in fire, just like um, he was saying. My dad still does that today. Okay. So anyway, I had a praying mother. I had gone off the rails. I was doing drugs, doing all sorts, okay. Mommy had been praying for me. The weekend before I got saved, she said, Oh, can I pray before, with you before you go to nightclubs? I said, Jesus will stop all the fun. Don't want you to pray for me. Jesus ain't coming. Don't do it. <laughs> anyway, I go off, have my fun. The weekend after that, I do the same. And then I'm just about planning. This is Friday, Saturday. I'm planning to go out again. And I felt sick. So I didn't end up going. I stayed at home. And then during about 10 p.m., I... Became conscious of sin in my own room. But my mother had been praying for me for about seven years. Okay, she has been. I come back from the nightclub, she opened the door. 5 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever time, and there'll be tears stricken in her eyes. I said, Mom, don't cry. I had plenty of fun. <laughs> anyway, so her prayers in my own room, I became conscious of sin that night. And I heard a voice to go and apologize to my mom. I'm like, I'm not doing that. He says you can go to sleep. By three am, I'm still up. So I decided I'll go. And I open the door. I don't turn the light on. Mum freaks out, going the name of Jesus. Mum is just me. Just chill out. <laughs> anyway, I had tears, and she says, "What's happening?" Some girl broke up with me. I said, "No, Mum. I want to receive Jesus." Anyway, she looks at me. She prays with me. She gets up in the morning. I'm all ready for church, and she looks at me. Where are you going? I said, "I'm going to church." She said, "I thought I had a dream." I said, "No, that was real, Mum." <laughs> went to church, I never heard the gospel that way before, and I gave my life to Jesus. I came back home, I had ecstasy, I had weed, I had alcohol, and I put it in the bag, put it in the bin, and I've never looked back since. So, all you mothers out there that are praying,
0: yeah.
4: all you mothers out there that are praying for your kids, never give up, because it does really work.
0: Great. <laughs> right. All different. All different. Some of them jumping from (laughs) here to here because of an encounter with God. Others of them just slow, 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 uh, slowly being aware of things. Um, But when we talk to people, try and move them one step closer to Knowing God, because then you're moving them one step closer to fulfilling the needs and the emptiness that are inside their hearts, and it's pretty easy to do that. Uh, Jesus said to his disciple, "Don't say four months more and the, then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields; they are ripe for harvest." And there's a whole bunch of people out there right now of your friends and your rallies that are ripe right now. They're they're just just waiting for someone to tell you. Um, I was at university and a girl that I was interested in dating uh, came up to me at a party and began talking to me and ended up inviting me to a... Christian Union meeting that they were having in a few months' time. And I was interested in her. I wasn't interested in God. I knew a lot about God but didn't know Him. But because of this girl and her invitation, I went. And I ended up getting healed of uh, an injury. I I said, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And it was like he poured out a bucket of hot water on me, just flowed down over my head and my arms. Uh, the bandages on my hand, I was able to take off. I was able to take the sling off my arm. I was just completely healed, and I, that just absolutely blew me away. And for the first time in my life, I realized that not only was God real, but that he loved me and that he had a plan for my life. Everybody is in one stage or other on this scale. So, when you're talking to your friend, ask them how they're going. Ask them if they've got any problems. Ask them if there's anything that they want to know about God. Uh, And if you're too scared to do any of that sort of stuff, just invite them along to church. Invite them along to one of our meetings. Invite them along to the um, uh, to one of the home group meetings, or the ladies group, or the men's group. And the ladies um, generally have each term, have a a coffee night uh, where they just get together. And it's a great idea. It's a great place for you to be able to invite people to come along. But the first thing that we need to do is open our eyes and see that there's a harvest field out there. There's a whole bunch of people who really have got no answer to the problems that are going on within them and they need you to help them to take a step closer to finding the answer to their life problems. It's a process, but we can help them by praying. I love those um, testimonies where there was a praying mother Uh, generally you'll find (coughs) that somebody is praying somewhere. For me, I had a a praying grandmother, and uh, she prayed for me right from a a young age. Uh, When we just step out and walk across the room and introduce ourselves to someone new, God goes with us. And we can all start conversations. We don't need to be spiritual. We just start a conversation and see where that leads you. Not only does God want you to be filled with his Holy Spirit, but he wants that river of his Holy Spirit to flow through you and touch others. And God is a God of the miraculous. In these testimonies, uh, I hope you notice that God turned up in each one of those situations uh, when people step out. Uh, John 7.37 says, Jesus said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he means the Spirit. And then Ephesians 2.10, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God responds to our weak attempts to tell others of his love because... His number one passion is to see people come to know him. Do you know people who need Jesus? Well, start praying for them. The best way, the best way to start is just to start praying. Uh, Remember last year we had um, those lists where we could put five people down or so, and we'd start praying for those? Well, I'm going to print off a few more of those. And... uh, Just start praying. Start praying and ask God for opportunities just for conversation and see what God will do. Show them what a life with Jesus looks like and look for opportunities to help them move a step closer to God. The scripture that um, Kojo quoted starts off with this. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says, then it says, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one that they haven't heard about? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And that's our job. That's our job. Our job is to pray and believe. And then look for opportunities to see if we can invite or we can just talk about life with our friends. And you would be amazed the opportunities that you will get if you just step out of the boat, as it were, and ask God to help you. Because he always will.
3: Amen. Amen.